through these first 13 verses, I just want you to focus on the lamb. Every part, its qualifications, its innocence, its shed blood, its application, its, its own flesh, uh, even what was left over is significant. And just think about that. And of course, this is a great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and our redemption through him. And so just ask the Lord to open our eyes this morning that we may behold wondrous things out of his law. Let's read together Exodus chapter 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make you count, make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Well, hallelujah. The first thing that I would like us uh, to consider is just the significance of this event. This was going, this event was so significant, it was actually going to change the calendar. Isn't that amazing? He said, this is going to be the beginning. It's somewhere in March or April, by the end of March, the beginning of April, that we uh, can correspond to our calendar. It was going to be so significant, it was going to change their calendar. This was a new beginning for the children 
of Israel. And as the Lamb of the cross is the central event of the New Testament, so the Passover Lamb is the most significant event in all of the Old Testament. We have said that Exodus is a story of the journey of redemption. Well, here, beloved, we come to the focal point of redemption. It is the Lord's Passover lamb. It is that spotless, precious lamb and its blood that was shed that was the door to freedom for the people of God out of the land of Egypt. And so is the blood of Christ entrance to the door of heaven. So this morning, I pray that we would be able to focus and center our minds on the power and the significance of this event. No other event in the Old Testament uh, is more powerful or more poignant or more central than this event of the Passover and the Passover lamb. It was something that is still being celebrated today among the children of Israel. To this day, that's how powerful it is. From this moment till now, they still honor the Lord's Passover. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to broaden out. We want to get a panoramic view of the lamb. And then we want to focus down to this lamb and how that this lamb points to our redemption and to our redeemer and our lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. So let's do that this morning. Number one, in God's plan of redemption, hallelujah, there has always been a lamb. Hallelujah. In God's eternal plan of redemption, beloved, there has always been a lamb. In his eternal decrees, there was a lamb. The lamb actually was present himself as God decided how redemption would unfold. And in his heart, there has always been a lamb for his people. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. Brother Jeff, I couldn't help but think about when you were preaching uh, from Revelation Wednesday night. And you were talking about how that God said, I'm going to make all things new. That is the eternal Passover. That is uh, the, the newness that uh, will forever be new. And as this day was a new day and a new beginning for them, so that day, beloved, the new heavens, the new earth, uh, everything new will be. And it's a great picture of that for us. But here in Revelation 13 and verse 8, we see this said about the Lamb of God. And we're talking about the panoramic view. Even in eternity past and in eternity future, part of the focal point will be the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. The lamb that was slain. Go with me here in the apocalypse. In the revelation of Jesus Christ. We read Revelation 13 and verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Whose names are not written in the book of the life of the lamb. And listen to how the lamb is qualified. Slain from what? The foundation of the world. Beloved, in the eternal mind of God, in the eternal decrees of God, there has always been a lamb provided for in the redemption of his people. That lamb is Jesus Christ. 
your Savior and your Lord and your friend. He ever, before the eyes of God, has been as a lamb slain even from the foundation of the world. So sure has our salvation been that God looked at his Son as slain even before he ever entered into time. How beautiful it is to think about God's providing a lamb, our great Jehovah Jireh, with his own arm. He has brought salvation and redeemed his people. Let's go to the early beginning of the history of man. We know that our parents fell in the garden and they sinned against the Lord and they began to bear children. And we see that they began to call upon the name of the Lord. And we read about Abel, this keeper of the sheep, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 2. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And look in verse 4. We see the, the picture and the presence of the lamb again. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings. Why? Because it was a picture of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. It was a picture of that spotless, sinless one, that one without spot and blemish. The first and best Abel brought to give and to offer unto the Lord. And beloved, the Lord received it. Hallelujah. Just as he has received our Lord Jesus Christ, for he was crucified in weakness, but he has been raised in power. He has been raised for our justification, proving that God accepted his blood on our behalf. And God's plan of redemption, there has always been a lamb. Before the foundation of the world, there was a lamb that was slain. In the first men that was born into the world, a lamb was brought forth. And its blood was shed and was offered in fire before God. And God accepted it and it pleased God just as it pleased the Lord to bruise his own son. And give his own son, his own lamb as a sacrifice for our sin that we might be redeemed. That we might be free. Does your heart say hallelujah? Does your heart not say today, oh, God has provided me a lamb. I need that so much. What do you think that you need this morning, beloved? Do you think that you need more money? Do you think that you need a better job? Do you think you need better circumstances? Maybe some of that is true. But your greatest need has ever been the blood of the lamb. And the blood of the lamb has been shed and is provided. And all who believe in it and come to it will have their sins forgiven and will dwell with God forever in a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, we go a little bit further in the story in the book of Genesis. And you remember that promised son was born. And it is an amazing how that God called upon Abraham, the great father of our faith. He didn't call upon him to take of the firstlings of his flock. For indeed, we believe Abraham would have done that gladly. But God said, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac. I want you to take him up into a mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him unto me. Oh, beloved, this was a powerful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the sacrifice of the Lamb. Are you there with me? 
in uh, this is in Genesis chapter 22. And so I love what it said about Abraham. You know, Abraham didn't put this off. Abraham didn't balk at this. But it said that Abraham rose up early. And he, and he took Isaac and he took wood and he, and he took the, the fire. And we read uh, in uh, the New Testament about we get insight into Abraham's heart that Abraham truly believed so much in the promise of God that he knew even if he killed Isaac, he believed that God would raise him from the dead just as he did the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is a beautiful picture here. We see Isaac was not just some little child at this time, I don't believe. I believe Isaac was full grown. And he went willingly up into the mount. And Abraham at some point had to tell him what God had required. And Isaac, I believe, had to submit uh, to this sacrifice. And he had to allow Abraham to tie him and bind him to the altar and bear his chest to the father's knife. And Abraham in his heart had slain his son. He was about to plunge the knife. And God held his hand. Hallelujah. As God has spared us all. Amen. As he has spared us all. And here in this we see the great picture again of this lamb that takes the place of another. Genesis 22. All beginning in verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. Picture it in your mind. Picture it by faith. And took the knife to slay his son. As he had, as Abraham had no doubt, many lambs Abraham had sacrificed before. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Never was Abraham more glad to hear the voice of the Lord. And never will you be more glad to hear the voice of the Lord than when by his spirit he allows you by faith to behold his lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When your redemption has drawn nigh. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. Beloved, this is where you and I got set free. Here's where you and I deserved God's wrath, God's condemnation, just as did all of the children of Israel in Egypt. Death was coming for all, and all deserved death. And except for the blood of the Lamb, all would have died that night. So I ask you to think about the significance of that. That no lamb's blood was shed for Egypt. No lamb's blood was shed for any of the nations of the world. But that blood was shed specifically for the family of God. For the children of Israel. Why did God do that? It was a great picture of redemption. Of his election. Of his sovereign grace. For he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. And he will be gracious to whom he will be gracious. And his blood was shed as a ransom. Not for all, beloved. But for many. All here. Abraham. He said, For I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, not only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Don't you know Abraham and Isaac were glad to see that ram? 
And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Beloved, isn't that wonderful that God spared Isaac for Abraham? But I want you to know that God the Father did not spare Jesus in that way. But beloved, on your precious Savior and our dear friend, the friend of sinners, the knife fell. And all the wrath of God was poured out upon him. And he took our place and he redeemed him, redeemed us and put his blood over the doors of our hearts. He has applied the blood to us so that death will pass us over. Oh, this is beautiful. We turn now and we all these, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, every Passover, this picture was seen and embraced by faith of the people of the Old Testament. But then in the New, God would do something amazing. And we see this statement that must forever haunt the hearts of man. In John chapter 1, we know that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was baptizing in the Jordan. And read these amazing words that John says that is revealed to him by God. This is actually the verse and the, the words that converted this sinner. It was when a man said these words one time that God's Spirit opened up my heart and I was able to behold and see my redemption and see my Redeemer by faith and feel that my sins had been forgiven by Him. Oh, that you might know that as well. And beloved, if your sins are forgiven, hallelujah, it's because of the blood. And here, listen to what John says in John chapter 1, verse 29. In the next day, John seeth Jesus. Oh, that's what we need to see. Because, beloved, this that was done in Exodus, this that was done in the Passover, it required faith. Beloved, it required faith. And faith is required. Not faith that we muster in and of ourselves, but faith that is given to us through the Holy Spirit. It is the gift of God. And they had to have faith in the Old Testament. It was by faith, and it's through faith. And we'll prove that in a minute. But here, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, And beloved, if you will be saved, if you will be saved from the fires of an eternal hell, if you will be forgiven of your sins, beloved, you must see Jesus in this way. You cannot just see him as a good teacher. You cannot just see him as a prophet. But you must, by faith, behold him as God's substitute. You must behold him as your Savior. You must behold him as the Lamb of God. As the Lamb. You must behold him that way. You must see Jesus. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What a statement. What a mind-boggling, universe-changing statement and revelation of who Jesus is to us. And so, beloved, in God's plan of redemption, there had always been a lamb. Amen? 
a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, a lamb pictured and typified and shadowed all throughout the Old Testament and embraced by faith by the saints of the Old Testament. But now, in this verse that I've read to you, it's so poignant, it's so powerful because the Lamb has come and the Lamb is ready to do His work. And all the lambs that had been gone before, they were involuntary sacrifices. They didn't want to give up their lives. They didn't want to take our place. But Jesus came to do thy will, O God. A body had been prepared for him, and he laid himself down willingly for us. Oh, greatest story that's ever told, right? This God's great plan. Behold, here he is, the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And the apostles recognized this in Jesus and, and applied it uh, to the truths about him. Go with me now to that verse that we love in Peter so much. First Peter chapter 1. Remember, we're still, we're still going out in our cinematic view, in our panoramic view of this as, as we see God unfolding this great drama of redemption. And now it comes to its central character and focus point in Christ and his cross and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And here's the commentary of that by the great apostle Peter. First Peter chapter 1. Oh, let this speak to your heart today, beloved. Verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in who? It might be in God and in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is Peter doing here? He is saying, don't look to those old lambs. Don't look to those old sacrifices. All they were was but types and shadows but now the Lamb has come. You are not redeemed with something that is corruptible, that doesn't last, that has to be done over and over again. But the Lamb of God was shed once, and He offered Himself to God. And God received it, and beloved, it is done. Jesus has paid it all. We that love Him are debt-free. We are forgiven. We have been bought back with a price with the most valuable substance in all of the universe. Beloved, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb. And so we've been in Revelation, back to Genesis, back to Revelation one more time. Oh, Brother Jeff, you know as we've gone through this study, we see the Lamb represented. The, the church is called the wife, the bride of, of the Lamb. Every time that, that we look, and it crawls out for the lion. We look to see the lion. But instead, there's what? There's the lamb. For this is God's plan of redemption. 
Oh, it's so beautiful. Revelation 5. Turn with me there for our last panoramic view. Revelation 5. Oh, this is beautiful, beloved. Beginning in verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. Beloved, it's his book. It's his book. And, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and the midst of the elders, not stood a lion, but stood a lamb, as it had been, what? Slain. Isn't that amazing as we look over that cinematic, panoramic view of God's redemption, that the central theme of it all has always been this lamb. And here in Exodus chapter 12, they're getting their most um, eye-opening look at God's redemption on behalf of his people in this Passover lamb. I want you to know that all the actions that centered around the Passover event, that it required faith. Now the faith was not what caused the death angel to pass over. It was the blood of the Lamb. But in faith, they had to believe and obey God that this was the way. In faith, those fathers and their children had to cut out that Lamb and set it aside and make sure that nothing happened to it. And then they had to bring it before the assembly and they had to kill it. And they themselves had to take the blood and get the blood on that hyssop. And they had to strike. They, God didn't put the blood on there. By faith, they put the blood on there over the top and on the sides. Beloved, faith was required for this Passover event to take place. But never think it was the faith that the angel of death saw and so passed over the children of Israel. No, it was the blood that had been applied. But how wonderful that God actuated their faith to do that. And so they were passed over. Go with me. This is important for us to understand this. In the book of Hebrews, uh, this is spoken of in that great, great book um, go with me here, the book of Hebrews, and we want to go to chapter 11. Are you with me? Are you with me? You know, it's hard for us to enter into this because it's so foreign. None of us have taken a lamb, have we, and slit its throat and put our hands in its blood. None of us have, have had to do that because that has been done away with through the work and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But imagine that you were in that time. Imagine that you had been a slave and your family had been slaves for 400 years and you had been seeing the mighty hand of God move in all these plagues and now you are told that God is going to smite Egypt one more time and at midnight you are going to be free. But something had to be done. You had to take one of the most precious things that belonged to you and you had to kill it and you had to put its blood over the door of your house. Would you have believed? Would you have done it? You might say only by the grace of God and that's true. 
It is only by the grace of God for them and for us. And so here we read this in the book of Hebrews. I told you that faith was required. Verse 28, look at it, highlight it. Through faith, through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that God gives his children faith in the blood of the Lamb, that God applies the blood to our lives through faith in his Son. And so it is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Brother Jeff, I'm going to turn to your favorite book in Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. Turn with me there. Oh, if you haven't memorized this one, beloved, this is one that you must commit to memory. And I want you to think about your redemption. I want you to think about those Passover lambs. And I want you to think about Jesus, the Lamb of God, as we read this, and how precious and how wonderful it is to have the gift of faith, for all men have not faith. All men are not given faith. Only those who have been given to Christ have been given faith. Is this you today? Verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Hallelujah. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by what? By faith. By faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Beloved, I want you to make no mistake. Jesus Christ is our Passover. Would you say that in your heart with me this morning? Jesus Christ, you are my Passover. You're my only hope in this life and in the life to come. Isn't it amazing, beloved, what our minds can convince ourselves of, of what we don't need and then of what we do need and how that so often it is an exact contradiction of the way that things really are. Some think they don't need to confess love for Jesus Christ. Some think that they don't need to see him or accept him or believe in him in this way. But beloved, if you do not, there is no salvation in any other. For no man can come unto the Father except by Jesus Christ and by faith in him that he is the Lamb of God. And that must be personally applied. I couldn't wipe the blood on Brother Andy's door. Unless we were neighbors and my family was too small, then we could have joined up. But it was every man needed the lamb. Every house needed the lamb. Oh, I hope that you see that you need him today, that you realize that Christ Jesus is your Passover. And I just want you to see that that is not only declared truth out of this pulpit, but take your mind back to to 33 A.D. when Christ was pinned 
to that cross, the Lamb of God. Take your minds out of there. Go there in the spirit to Golgotha, to Calvary, to see the bleeding Lamb. And it was at that evening sacrifice that he cried out and he said it was finished. Do y'all know when this happened? It was at Passover. It was at Passover. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, just want to read this very quickly. Purge out, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, and that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. It was at Passover, at the evening sacrifice, that Jesus gave his life and his blood, and his body for us. Hallelujah. What a message. Oh, if by faith that you can see all of that, and you, can, you have received that, and, and uh, it is what you are, your hopes are based in, in this life and in the life to come, and it is what motivates and what uh, the agenda of your soul is about. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. You're, you're in a great place. A great place. Now, let's go back to the book of Exodus chapter 12 for just a little bit. And now let's focus in. We've been way out all over the Bible, right? We've been in eternity past, eternity future. We've been back 2,000 years. Now we want to, Now we want to come back in to this moment. And see what God was doing. We want to look at the Passover lamb. The first thing that we want to talk about is the need for the lamb. Why a lamb? Why at this time, at this midnight hour, was a lamb required? What was the need? What is your need and my need at this hour? And in our lives, beloved, we need the Lamb. Why? Why was the need so pressing? Why did it have to be done on this day and in this way? Beloved, because death was coming. Because judgment had come. And the Lord Himself, He didn't send frogs. He didn't send flies this time. He was coming Himself. And He's coming again to judge the world in righteousness. And death is coming for all of us. The need is still there. Death is waiting for every one of us. And judgment is waiting. Oh, I'm so glad to know that I can believe in my life that when death comes, he will pass over me. When judgment comes, the blood will be there to have expiated and took away my sins. What about you? I know you're happy for me. But what about you? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to stand before that judgment? Without the blood, ask the Egyptians if they were ready. Ask them if they had anything to stand before them and the smite of the death angel. Even Pharaoh, as powerful as he was, as hard as his heart was, he saw the life seep out of his own son 
And he said, okay, God, if you're God. Need for the Lamb. Do you have a need for redemption? Israel was in bondage. Israel was in chains. Israel was like us, dead in their sin. They could not set themselves free. They could not muster up their own faith to get them out of the condition that they were in. They had to have a redeemer. They had to have redemption. They had to have someone take their place and give their life for them so that their life would not be forfeit and they could begin anew with God. Oh, I tell you, the need was there. The need for redemption. If you read in this, if you read it with me, it was said every man. Every man. Every house. Death and judgment were coming. And as the lamb, as the Passover lamb that we're looking here, it was the very door of the exodus. This, these doors that had the blood here and here and here. It was the very door through which death could not come, but they would pass through to freedom and to Canaan's land. It was the blood that did that. The Passover lamb, you must come through the blood. You must. Christ is the door to heaven. He would even say in his ministry, I am the door. I am the door and the blood is on the door. Oh, the need for the Lamb that you, God would bless you to see your need for the Lamb and everyone that by faith and through the Spirit of God can feel and see the true need for the Lamb. They will find the Lamb's blood applied to their life and to their soul. But if you don't need Him, if you don't need Him, if you don't want Him, Beloved, death is coming and judgment is sure. And our God is a consuming fire. I want us to look now very quickly at the qualifications of the lamb in this very specific, isn't it? It couldn't just be any lamb, right? I look, what Brother Jeff said in his prayer, God, you deserve our best. That's so true, isn't it? But even our best, our righteousness is just as filthy rags. Beloved, we couldn't just have our best to please God. We needed God's best to be there on our behalf. The one that was qualified. You are not qualified for heaven. I am not qualified in and of myself to stand before the eyes of Him who is infinitely holy. He cannot look on me unless the blood is in between. He cannot. There were qualifications that had to be made. Let's look at this first. We know that it had to be a male. Why? Why did it have to be a male? Because God said it did. Because His Son would be a male beloved let me tell you there's only two genders there's male and there's female and God created them and there's nothing else there's nothing else it had to be a male 
It had to be, write this down, this lamb had to be superior. It had to be superior. Brother Kevin, it had to be the first. It had to be the best. Why? Because it was going to represent Jesus Christ and who he is. The first. I want, you don't have to turn here. I just want to turn here because this was spoken of in the prophecies of old about the Lord Jesus Christ. So many beautiful pro- prophecies like in Isaiah. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. All those beautiful expressions of the nature, the person, the work, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. How that he was superior to all. Beloved, in the Lamb's book of life, in the Lamb's book of life that we read about, that will be open. Do you know whose first name is in there? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He was God's first elect, his first chosen one. His name is above all and a name above every name. Hallelujah. A king of kings and a lord of lords. You don't get more superior and first than that. Brother Jeff, preach to us what Jesus Christ said about himself as he speaks to his bride. I am the Alpha. I'm the first. I am the Omega. I am the last. Oh, beloved, here in the book of Zechariah, such a beautiful expression of the redemption that we have in Christ. You can just write this one down and study it sometimes. It speaks of Christ. Zechariah 12.10 And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The best, the first, it had to be superior. It had to be spotless. Spotless. That's something, isn't it? No blemish. Who's like that? Could it have been Abraham? Was Abraham spotless, Brother Kevin? Moses, was Moses spotless? What about David? Was David spotless? Peter, any of the good men and women, any of them spotless. No, all of them had spot and blemishes on their feast of charity. But there came one that was clean upon even whom the Holy Ghost himself as the dove of heaven could land upon. Him who Pilate said three times, I find no fault in him. The spotless one, the unblemished one. Oh, I love, beloved, thinking about this, about Jesus Christ and His righteousness because that's my only hope for righteousness is that He was able to take all my sins upon Him and pay for them and then to place His righteousness upon me. That's my only hope. That's your only hope. That He was the spotless. That He was the righteous one. Like this little lamb, it says that he had to be without blemish, a male of the first year, superior and best. You shall take it from the sheep and from the goats. And was Jesus taken? He was taken and he was bound and he was beaten and he was sacrificed in public display before all the world to see. 
spotless was he. He never suffered for his own sin, but for yours and for mine. Superior, spotless, separate. Separate. He said you've got to take him out and you've got to keep him. You've got to keep him apart from everything else and you've got to set him aside because he's special. He's, he's anointed. He's unlike any other. None can rival Jesus Christ and the Lamb in our hearts. Not husband, not wife, not mother, not church, not anything, beloved. He must be separate to us above all. Precious. They had to watch the Passover lamb to make sure nothing unclean came around to make sure that he didn't dash his foot upon a stone and be lamed or maimed and thus disqualified from the Passover. And how, beloved, it is a wonderful that not a bone of Jesus Christ was broken. Not a bone. Even as maltreated as he was, set apart and, and watched. And we love what it says in Hebrews 7 and verse 16, that he was separate from sinners. He was separate from sinners. And then sacrificed. It's amazing to me. You know, why not in private? You know, you think that this would be a more private thing, wouldn't you? That you have this lamb, and it's concerning your house and your life, and you would think that in the darkness of night, you wouldn't want this to be seen because of the gruesome, the ugliness of it. But he said, no, you sinned openly before God. And so your sin must be atoned for openly before God. He said, you're going to take this lamb, you and your children, and you're going to go and you're going to bring it before the whole assembly. Did y'all hear how it was described? He said, you're going to take the knife. And you're going to, you're going to take the life. of That precious, innocent, spotless, superior lamb. And you're going to do it by faith. That that life and that blood is not going to be shed in vain. But it's going to serve a purpose that's greater than any of us could ever even imagine or know. And if that was true of the Lamb of this day, how much truer is it of the Lamb of God, beloved? Amen. You and I, we nailed the nails in his hands. It was us that whipped him. They may have had Roman names, but it was our sins that placed him there. Beloved, never forget it was his love that held him there. And he was doing something that would free his people throughout all eternity. All in public display. Jesus is taken as the lamb. I love how Isaiah put it in his great prophecy. I'm going to turn there because I don't want to get it wrong. I want to get it exactly right. In that great suffering servant uh, passage in Isaiah 53, I want to get it just right. Verse 7. Let's go back to verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're all disqualified. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to 
the slaughter in every qualifications here for the Passover lamb, Jesus met them and surpassed them all in an infinitely greater way that this poor lisping tongue doesn't even have the ability to describe to y'all. But I pray that God will reveal it to you by his spirit. Why the blood, though, Brother Nathan? Wasn't the life enough? Wasn't just the taking of the life enough? Why? Why the blood? Why the flesh, Gigi? Why did all of it have to be consumed and, and used? God doesn't waste anything, does he? He didn't waste the blood of his son. He didn't waste it on the doors of the Egyptians. He didn't waste it on the doors of the Canaanites. No nations in the earth have ever had the Passover. Only the elect family of God has known it. Beloved, I will submit unto you that the blood of the Passover lamb was given to God. It was given to God and the flesh was given to man. Isn't that beautiful? They needed something to save their life. That's the blood. The blood saved their life. But they consumed the flesh of the lamb because they needed something to sustain their life as well. The blood was offered to God. The flesh was given to man. Jesus came in flesh to us. He offered his blood to God. It was God that viewed the blood. And aren't you glad when, when he passed over or with the death angel, however that it was, and he looked down inside the house, that he didn't look down inside the house and see who was worthy of the life to decide whether that he was going to pass over or not. Who's been good here? Who's had faith here? Who hasn't committed as many sins as other people here. And then I'm going to determine whether I'm going to pass over on how good or bad those people are that are in the house. No, that's not how it was that night. He just looked. And he saw the blood of the lamb. And he passed over. You need something to save your life. We need something to sustain our life. And so Paul picks up on this in a very beautiful way as we're about to close. And listen to this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. Here's another one for you to, to remember and, and put to memory. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Here is the body and the blood, both saving our life and sustaining our life. No blood wasted. Remember, children, I asked you, where was the blood? It was on the side. It was on the top and on the side, but it wasn't on the floor because no one will ever tread on the blood of Jesus Christ. No one will ever tread on that blood. No blood wasted. Or tread upon no flesh wasted. And isn't it wonderful? And no one was left wanting. But everybody 
because of the lamb had everything that they needed. The blood was on the outside. The flesh had been taken and was on the inside and was going to strengthen them for their way and for their exodus. Has so many beautiful things there. And then he said, this is going to be a token unto you for forever. Did you notice that at the end? And the blood, verse 13 of Exodus 12, this is where we'll close, beloved. And the blood shall be a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When we break open the study of of the Passover, there's so many other wonderful things. But this was a new year, he said. There's going to be provided a new way, a new life, a new beginning for my people. And once the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to your heart, That's exactly what you experience. You know, God's people never went into Egypt again. It's their last day in Egypt. Maybe for some of you here, it will be your last day in Egypt. He said, when you eat this, Brother Kevin, he said, you got to be ready. He said, have your clothes on, your marching clothes. Have your staff in your hand. Have your shoes ready. That's what he said, all those things. When you eat it, have your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Be ready. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Are you living life girded? Clothed in His righteousness. Covered in His blood. Filled with Christ. Your feet. Are you equipped? And ready to go on journey with Jesus. He tells them, tonight's the night, boys. After midnight, everything God's promised us is coming to pass. We're out of here. We're out of here. And be ready. Be ready. When you wake up tomorrow, be ready to serve God. Because Jesus is coming. And he's looking for those who are ready. May the Lord bless you and keep you.